Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au.
3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. First broadcasting noon through one Australian Eastern Standard Time every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. 3CR proudly broadcasts from the lands of the Kulin Nations and we pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hello to any Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander people, First Nations people anywhere tuning in. Thank um, We honour your presence and we acknowledge that all the lands on this big island and surrounding smaller ones, or at least most thereof, are stolen and never ceded. I'm Sally Goldner. I use the pronouns she and her. Her? Um, I'll just get my tongue back in. And I'm the host of Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues, knowing no boundaries of sex, gender or genre. And we opened up today with Jill Sabule and I Kissed a Girl, a classic, as we head into Lesbian Visibility Week. Um, that's what we call anthems. 3CR, um, if you want to get in touch with this show, you can email outofthepan855 at gmail.com, SMS 61456751215, tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line, and look for posts on Facebook, um, Sally Goldner and Out of the Pan 3CR 855 AM Melbourne. Any opinions I express are strictly my own. Also, um, snail mail, if you want to um, send something in writing, PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066. Well, the numbers that I read out, um, if there is a content warning, and there will be a sort of general content warning in the first half of the show, and I'll introduce my guest in a second, but in the second half of the show, I'll have Adele Marini. Delcy Cat will be on the show to talk about a fantastic upcoming series about consent um, on SBS. But I'm joined in the studio by someone who is very much connected to the numbers you may need to call if you need to use QLife, which includes Switchboard in Victoria and Tasmania. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome to the 3CR studio CEO of Switchboard, Joe Ball. Thanks, Sally. Uh, long time listener, first time on air. First time on air in this in this studio or with me? I have been here for James's show, Queering, well, Queering in Your Face. In uh, Your Face, sorry, big one, Friday. wrong one. <laughs> um, and so I've done that a couple of times and during COVID I did chat with him, but it was uh, via phone because I couldn't come into the studio. Course, so first yeah. time with you, not the first time in 3CR. I, I, yeah, of course. Well, it's awesome to have you with us and... If it's okay to ask, may I check in with which pronouns you use, if any? Yeah, thanks. I'm proudly a transgender man, which for me means that I use the pronouns he and him. I like that um, pride. That's <laughs> always a good thing um, in your in your in yourself when we can get to to it and more of it. And we're just here to talk about lots of things. We were originally going to try and get together just before the mini festivus weekend of Easter Passover and similar. Um, because, of course, switchboard, um, you know, people in times of isolation, um, that's what switchboard is there for. But you're, as well as, you know, running a, an amazing organisation, you're, of course, heavily involved and, as you say, proudly visible in our communities. And there's all sorts of implications about recent issues. Mm. And I'd like, you know, just amongst many things, check in with you what's what's been, you know, let's get it direct from the source, what's been the go on the ground, particularly given events um, around so-called Australia and New Zealand Aotearoa in the last uh, month or so? Yeah, I think it's been, thank you, and I think it's been a really, I, I want to add actually, I 
attended an amazing event on Friday, which was the launch of Inclusive Rainbow Voices, which is Australia's first LGBTIQA plus disability organisation. And I want to quote Jax Brown, who gave this amazing talk and quoted another disability um, activist. And um, the quote was about that pride takes practice. And I think um, that's something we could all keep in our minds when we're thinking about what we're about to talk about, which is transphobia and that, you know, pride, I would add that not only does pride take practice, but pride in the face of oppression, you know, has to be deliberate um, mm. and ongoing. And uh, I think that sort of keeping that in mind for maybe our trans folk that are listening into this conversation is that, yes, the last month or so has been particularly bad in regards to public debates about our very existence. And so we need to be uh, vigilant around our own pride um, and also allies need to be vigilant about um, supporting us to be proud of who we are in the face of the transphobia. So what's been going on? Um, Obviously, we had the Posey Posey Parker, I like to say, Let Women Hate Tour, Mm. and that, you know, started in Brisbane and went across the country and then went over to New Zealand where it was rightly shut down in New Zealand. <laughs> um, um, and right on the back of that tour, which we can talk more about, but the, right on the back of that tour, we had uh, different guidelines coming out from World Athletics mm. and uh, discussing the issue of, in effect, a trans ban on trans women competing in elite athletics. And also uh, this week we've had you know numerous articles about uh, um, a basketball WNBL one player who has been banned from playing uh, WNBL in Australia. With so it's been a big time uh, yeah. about exclusion and hate and um, yeah. So that's and of course, what does that mean for a service like that I run, uh, Switchboard Victoria? Is that we're at the front line of hearing from our, our community the 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 effects of that and. Certainly, there's been a rise in demand of trans people who've wanted to talk about their fear and concern um, and their feelings around um, all these issues. Yeah. Um, should add before we go on, if you do need um, Switchboard at any time, one eight hundred one eight four five two seven and Rainbow Door, one eight hundred seven two nine three six seven. You can SMS Rainbow Door zero four eight zero zero one seven two four six. Um, so, yes, certainly the, those numbers have been in use over the last four weeks. And, I mean, as they have on many experiences, you know, it's sad that we have to list them. It's frustrating and, you know, we feel, you know, reasonably bits of anger that your services are needed for these sorts of things rather than perhaps people wanting to say, I want to be my more authentic self in terms of my gender identity, expression, sexual orientation, romantic orientation mm. and you know, need, you know um, where where can I find other people who have variation of sex characteristics and many other things? Um, and it just seems, yeah, sometimes it feels like we're piling up the sandbags, so to speak. Mm. So it really has been a big increase. What's been the percentage sort of – has there been – you know, you're very good on your um, stats and taking down the number of calls. Mm. What sort of – let's put it for the numerical types in what sort of increasing numbers has there been? Look, we've definitely seen a spike and it's probably – too early to talk about exactly because we said you have to see a spike over time i guess but what we definitely have seen as an increase in 
what people have wanted to talk about, and I guess the words I would use, like the severity of how people were mm. feeling. Um, and I think, you know, and probably haven't seen these kind of level of contacts wanting to talk about public issues since probably like sort of more recently the Israel Folau issue, which was, you know, a very big public yeah. debate. Um, and the religious discrimination bill, of course. Um, yeah. Those two issues are quite tied together. I think that what we're hearing from people when I say the severity is people's fear. Um, and it's both, you know, uh, concern about how people are going to stand up for them, what this is going to mean on the streets. And we've been hearing from trans women about, you know, real concerns about their physical safety in public spaces um, and stories about people, you know, being, you know, having, having, getting, getting a verbal abuse. Um, mm. And I think, and the tour has, in particular, the tour really did escalate that. So there's a lot yeah. of anecdotal uh, stories from people and a general overall increase in contacts. Yeah, uh, very, very much so. I <clears throat> attended, um, I think, on um, the, an event put on by Drummond Street Services Queer Space um, on March the 29th, where trans people just needed a space to talk. Um, so there was that group setting as well. And it was particularly, you know, sort of, you know, people feeling afraid and feeling down and double, triple particular people of colour, migrant, refugee, mm. who we know when we have that double and triple intersectionality that can face negativity, um, you know, sort of it has been, you know, extra difficult for, you know, those sorts of groups and, you know, sort of um, what's been Switchboard's response and what have people been saying they've been trying to do to at least, you know, sort of um, you know, keep their head above water, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I think for us one thing, apart from doing, you know, we, we, um, you know the Victorian government announced what mm. they're calling as surge funding and at Switchboard, this is means that we've been able to add additional staff onto our helplines, cool. and we're going to be doing that until uh, mid-January, which is, um, you know, the, of course, a very welcome announcement. And um, sadly, and maybe expectedly, we are the only state that did that. Um, mm. You know, state government that did actually give additional money uh, to services to be able to respond. And I guess. Um, that's great for in Victoria, but this is clearly a national issue. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, and so that was one thing we got to do is sort of increase our capacity in order to support people. But something I've been doing as a leader is I've been really trying to ask people to step up and, and make comments. Um, mm. And because I think there can be this perception sometimes that uh, – uh, you know, we don't want to um, continue on a culture war, that talking back to transphobia um, might inflame a culture war. And I, I think that's a fabrication um, yeah. and maybe an excuse for silence. And what I've been trying to say to people is actually we know from the work we do at Switchboard that it makes a huge difference uh, to parents of trans and gender diverse kids, yep. to transgender people um, themselves when they hear leaders um, in all their facets of leadership. So yes. LGBTIQA plus leaders, yep. um, uh, political leaders, faith-based leaders. It makes a massive difference when those people stand up and say, like, enough is enough. You're welcome here. You're welcome in our services. You're welcome in our places of, you know, worship and faith, et cetera, et cetera. These things yep. make a massive difference um so that's something i've been really trying to do is encouraging people to be courageous because i think 
this it does uh, tragically it is does take courage still to step up and um, defend us. Uh, And I've been trying to um, embolden people to do that. And I think that there's still some work to be done that our premier, Daniel Andrews has been extremely outspoken. That is very welcome. Mm -hmm. But again, he is the only premier that made comments so emphatically against the tour. Um, And also he's made comments to support, you know, transgender athletes. And we really have seen, a lot of silence at the national level in other states, mm. even though actually, um, uh, you know, all across the country, there's been a lot of conversations about the country turning red, if you like, meaning turning Labor. Um, but I think uh, in Victoria, that's meant we have seen responses, but it, I'm yet to see, you know, significant conversations from other premiers that match what Daniel Andrews has done. I would agree with that. Um, the listen, Unfortunately, grimaces don't come through a microphone, and I <laughs> grimaced when you mentioned federal and other states and territories, and I'm, I'm trying to find a way to put this in the right way, but I just have to express my feelings. I feel very frustrated and somewhat abandoned about the very few words by Prime Minister Albanese. Mm. It's all very well to march in Pride March and all that, uh, sorry, World Pride and Mardi Gras, but, um, you know, it's actions speak louder than words and we haven't you know to just condemn nazism yeah great but what about supporting trans people we need that and the thing that i would add is we've got mountains of opinion polls that people say why is trans even being debated in this Mm. way there was one specifically um may last year the night of the federal election a national survey that found only 13% of voters of all parties thought having a certain Liberal candidate, who I don't want you to name, was a strength. Forty, About 43% said indifferent neutral and 42% said it was a weakness. Mm. So, you know, the Labor Party federally and in other states and territories has everything to gain on every level, human decency, and let's be frank about mm. it, politics, if they do the supportive thing rather than just, um, well, you know, sort of, I'm hiding away and it is disappointing and it's also you know there's so many implications of this but my mind has jumped to a story thanks to um, veteran um, 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 journalist Steve Dow who's a great writer for The Guardian on the issues of trans health care and the thing that frustrates me is then we don't get to what we know what we mm. need the issues are mm. health care getting the last two or three states over the line on better trans birth certificates and perhaps getting towards uniform laws across all eight Mm. states and territories. Um, We need social marketing campaigns to get the truth out there and counter this misinformation. And so do, I can speak for BiPlus, and I'd be pretty confident intersex and ace people would say the same. You know, these are the things that we need. And yet then, you know, they're just sort of barely even countering the negatives. And has that, Mm. you know, I mean, you obviously don't have tabs on every call Mm. that comes to switchboard, but is that in terms of whether switchboard or conversations you've had with people, have those sort of things come up? Yeah, I think that people feel that there is, I mean, there's conversations we have when people contact our services and there's conversations I have, you know, in the community as well. And I think that people... Um, would like to see on both accounts what I know is what they tell me when they f- when they see leaders stand up mm. and I take that to mean you know that that it's that they want to see more of that and I think you're, you're I think you're absolutely right about this more to gain by backing us yeah um, and I think that it it is concerning 
you know, one of the biggest things that happened this week, I guess, for, you know, LGBTIQA plus news was the delay of the um, mm. Australian law report, you know, like into Australian uh, law review around um, protecting LGBTIQA plus students in schools. And and teachers as well. Um, and Alistair Laurie covers this. And yes. for those who want to Google his name, um, but you know, like they've delayed it again. When they were in opposition, you know, Anthony Albanese really fought uh, this issue, and his government fought this issue, saying, "No, we need to protect LGBTIQA plus students." They were a little bit quieter on staff, but they clearly said we need to support LGBTI students. Now, when they're in the driver's seat, they're talking about you know Dreyfus, the Attorney General, um, who is in the driver's seat on this piece of legislation he's talking about a delay of eight months Mm. and i'm i just sort of feel like really we've got to get through what you're saying we've got to get we've got to get these basic uh protections in place and stop debating basic protections so that we can get to the heart of protective factors and and um you know really preventative health and uh, the big drivers around, you know, suicide prevention and mental health, like improving mental health in our community. But yes, we're still debating: should um, school captains be allowed to mm. be gay? <laughs> that was another story this week. Yes. Should um, you know, I think these things um, distract us from um, and take us backwards. And they, and I, I think we need the you know, federal labor to put these things once and forever in the, you know, the dustbin of history. Like in today, in 2023 in Australia, I think overwhelmingly most Australians do not want LGBTIQA plus students to be expelled for who they are or in any way discriminated at school. And I think by extension, most parents understand that their teachers will have diverse backgrounds uh, as well and also need to be protected. So I think, you know, bring that on, uh, get that done um, and, uh, and, and any delays, I think, sends, I think it creates insecurity and anxiety in our community about what the future holds. And then this is all mixed in with what's happening overseas. Mm. And people are like, well, I think we're in a good place in Australia. And, you know, we're not in the same places in America and UK mm-hmm. um, with what's happening in Florida and Texas. But I do think um, when there's a lack of leadership and a lack of courage in defending our rights, it does make us wonder, you know, are they going to see through these reforms they promised in opposition? Yep, absolutely. A couple of comments in from one of our recurring awesome listeners, Kayleen, who really liked um, Jack's Jackie Brown's comments Mm. about Pride and also said, and I quote, I agree all leaders need to speak up. Those involved in the wave of trans hate often have other issues such as anti-democracy attitudes and outside Vic. Um, They, being the other leaders, have been too complicit by their silence. And, yeah, what is it? Silence is acquiescence, to use um, another um, well-known phrase as well. So, yeah, we need – leadership is about that. It's about taking a stance that – strengthens people builds people is positive and yeah we um really need um we need that so yep we've got to get that so the question is what can people do what can trans and gender diverse people and allies do to you know get these things cooking um so to speak um and start getting getting that the leadership we want and the reforms that we know we need and not what i call faux as much as i suppose they're debates i call them faux debates about sport and bathrooms and other things yeah i mean i think that it's really important if you're up for it and i I really want to put this out first because not everyone um 
you know, you needed to make a mm. judgment call about whether you want to be an activist around your life. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess I'm speaking to transgender diverse people who might be listening in this regards. But um, so make, I think you need to make a decision um, uh, what you need for yourself. And I don't think just being transgender diverse means you need to be an activist. So just laying that, laying that sort of <laughs> out there and you can just be yourself. However, I think for some people, it is actually quite good for their mental health to be active. And that might be you, uh, a listener today that, you know, it is good or, um, or you're up for the challenge of uh, being an activist. And I think, firstly, I think you need to stay informed about what's happening and you need to stay connected to organisations that are campaigning around these issues and looking for their, you know, their calls. Uh, there is, of course, um, Just Equal. There is the Trans Justice Project, which is a new project um, run by Jackie Turner that's specifically about trans issues. There's your, you know, more local-based organisations that are LGBTIQA+. I mean, I would, I would follow some really great thinkers, like I mentioned today, like Alastair Laurie, who's doing a lot around discrimination <laughs> law. And I think that you do need to stay informed um, if you want to be an activist around it. And well, listening to a show like this is one one way to stay informed. I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and then I think you you look for the calls that are being made. Um, and I think sometimes you know that's uh, signing a petition, that's writing to your local member, depending on what the issue the issue is. So. Um, I, I think that there's some big things coming down the line. There is, uh, you know, the Australian Institute of Sport is going to release its guidelines, which is about transgender inclusion in elite sport. And I think that people need to be following that closely. You could, um, there's a few organisations. I mean, personally, I talk about it a lot on my uh, favourite and most daggiest social media, which is LinkedIn. <laughs> so you can follow me and what I've got to say about it. But there's also, you know, Pride Cup makes comments and Proud and proud to Play if you want to just follow the sports stuff. Or um, Queer Sporting Alliance is another organisation. I think following them. Uh, looking out for their petitions. And I think the next thing in the sporting avenue is going to be those guidelines because that's the pathway um, to whether trans women, and it really is only about trans women, whether trans women can compete in things like AFLW, you know, basketball, etc., and in the future, the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. Well, certainly trans women, but of course, um, we saw with the um, World Athletics thing, it also, you know, clearly and blatantly targets intersex women as well, um, mm. you know, because it's all about, um, you know, the language just, well, takes the issues of trans and intersex and turns them against us in a sense, you know, with why, why they're banning certain people. You know, it does ban trans and intersex women and um, in turn we need to be um, allies to our intersex cousins, so to speak, as well. So we've got to you know, be together on this. Mm. But we also need all cisgender and endosex people, people who do not experience intersex, to be right with us because it is that saying, you know, sort of first they came mm. for that's well known. And, we, you know, um, they just keep trying to, you know, as I say, pull, you know, the flood keeps trying to rise over the sandbags. Well, we need to pour the, you know, keep piling up the sandbags for a while. Yeah, um, you know the sporting issue. Mm. I mean, I look. Uh, maybe I've got a block because of not being particularly scientific, or the only exam I ever failed at school was a biology exam or something. <laughs> but you know the the evidence, as far as I understand it, 
and I mean, I've been following this for years, there is no clear answer. It's not, of course, dare I say, the answer is non-binary on, on whether trans and, and or intersex women have so, any so-called advantage just because of testosterone. I love the argument that fabulous endocrinologist Ada Chung uses that, you know, we might have a six-cylinder chassis, but we've got a four-cylinder engine. In my case, it's probably a Suzuki Mighty Boy engine, <laughs> only boy thing I've got in me. Um, you know, seriously... Um, you know that's the facts, but and how do we again? How do we get them out there? How do we get past the emotive rhetoric that is put up um, on on all these issues? Yeah, I mean on the, the sports issue. On the I mean, I one. think one thing. I mean, I guess there's one thing worth saying is you know um, sometimes our, our community can feel um, ambivalent or outright hostile about sport and um for, for many reasons because it can be the, the primary place or the first place you received discrimination and harassment um was you know around sport and change rooms uh, when you were younger but i want to make a case for caring about this issue i think mm-hmm. first to set it up and that is that and, and particularly for caring about elite sport which is such a small amount of people but I think it is the age-old discussion of you can't you can't be what you can't see, and um, you know it does make it. We know from the LGB uh, coming out, like people like Isaac Humphreys who came out in um, men's basketball for the Melbourne team last year. Mm. It makes a huge difference for you know the LGB to see representation of of uh, their part of the community coming out. It means that people feel like they can compete at um, the community level and go down to the local basketball court. So, uh, you know, the elite sport, yes, is it's an issue of like, yes, we should be able to play elite sport as, as trans and gender diverse people, but it also has a consequence for grassroots community sport. Um, so that's my ca- case that why you should, should care about. And, of course, sport is part of the picture of preventative health for poor mental health. Mm. It's not the whole one. But it does make a huge difference around um, such things as anxiety. If you can get out and you can move and um, get some physical activity, there's lots of evidence around that. So we need to increase the participation of um, movement, exercise um, and sport for um, the LGBTIQA plus community. And I think part of that is having elite sport role models um, and having an out gay role model like Isaac Humphreys doesn't necessarily feel inspiring to a young trans person. It's a different issue. It's, it's important for that part of the community, yep. but we do need to see trans elite athletes for that to be. We need to see a young trans girl who wants to play basketball when she's 10, be able to look up to an elite basketball and say one day, one She's inspiring, and I see myself in her, but maybe one day I can be her, and um, that inspires you to you know, play more sport. So that, that's my case. But what do we do? Yes, there's, your point is that there is no, there is no evidence, really. Um, the decisions that they are making, whether it was Basketball Australia over the last fortnight um, or a World Athletics, it is clearly they are making decisions not based on, sil- not based on science but based on fear and discrimination first. They in the in the in the absence of clear science, what they have decided to do is fall on the side of bigotry. Um, so there's you know, but they could have fought, fell on the side of something else, and um, which would have been inclusion. So my point is, um, you know, is is that this is something I 
personally think that sport is going to be a real Trojan horse for trans and gender diverse issues over the next couple of years. It's something they think they can debate and get away with. You know, they um, they think they can post horrendous pictures and make fun of trans elite athletes um, as a way of having a go at us all as trans and gender diverse people. So I think we should all care about sport um, for many, for all the reasons I've articulated, but I think it is a Trojan horse for broader discrimination um, and I think that arguments around uh, trans women's level of testosterone, which is, you know, the battleground, is extremely fraught because a lot of the time we're asking trans women and trans girls to lower their testosterone levels to rates that have no evidence. And often we don't know the consequences of any woman, any woman lowering her testosterone um, rates to, to very low. We know that any woman needs some testosterone. Um, and that, that every woman has testosterone. Um, and I think arguments around trans women sort of having close to zero levels of testosterone is, is, is poor health practices, not evidence-based. Um, and whenever we see those decisions come out, is that um, saying that, oh, she had this level of testosterone and it was too high, we need to read that as a red flag as, oh, well, where's the evidence? Um, and, and that's not how they should have made the decision. Yep. I'll agree with that. Um, And just two things from me before we have a bit of a breather and um, our next guest will be in and you're going to hang in. Yep. Um, Adele Marini is um, waiting on standby, so to speak, so um, at the door. So um, I'll um, just have a couple of thoughts. I mean, I agree with you on what you can't be is what you can't see and, um, on the exercise front, um, very careful about using the word sport, says me sitting here with my <laughs> Finn Balor, Balor Club T-shirt on in rainbow colours. Finn is a great ally. And having women and LGBTQ wrestlers, trans wrestlers, said this person <laughs> with a love of wrestling, Nyla Rose in All Elite Wrestling, Giselle Shaw, who I want to send my um, on-air um, um, tag to, um, copped some nasty transphobia at WrestleCon on the weekend of WrestleMania from a, an earlier time wrestler, and Gabby Taft, and I know there are others out there. It makes me feel like, well, okay, maybe I'm not going to win a world championship or anything in headline WrestleMania, but I can enjoy wrestling in whatever capacity. Mm. Mm. Um, so really, um, you know, visibility is so important. And of course, to cis LBQ women um, in wrestling as well, I better not better not mark out and name too many favourites. Anyway, um, Joe will hold hold you there. Um, and in the meantime, we've got a track that be- links beautifully for both of my guests um, because Switchboard is there to hold on to my hand. And it's also, you may want to ask consent if you want to hold someone's hand, which is what Adele's going to be talking about. Here's a fantastic um, acoustic track from Colin Hay. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. Say you don't believe in sorrow Why you're so sad There's no need to fear tomorrow It's never quite that bad 
have such heart You're the precious one And you will have your day I know there is no justice now There's nothing left to say If you don't believe in the setting sun If you've lost your faith in the Holy One If you're feeling like you need a friend We can hold on Yes, you can hold on Hold on to my hand Don't let go If you're with the one you care for And you wake up in the middle of the night If she's the one you hold a prayer for You keep the candle bright If our body's weak But our heart is strong If you feel the heat As the day is long If you're just a boy Trying to be a man You can hold on Yes, you can hold on Hold on to her Why this train, it just rolls along Why it moves into this particular station And stays just a little too long If I miss the train as it pulls away Cause I, I drank too much and slept into the day If I run alongside and reach out my arm Will you hold on? Yes, will you hold on? Yes, will you hold on? Hold on to my hand. Hold on to my hand. Hold on to my hand.
Hold on to my hand yeah. 3CR 855 AM 3CR digital 3cr.org.au 3CR on demand Lots of ways to listen to 3CR and Out of the Pan, a show covering pansexual issues. Thank you to listeners of all genders for tuning in, including but not limited to ladies and gentlemen. And we just heard from Colin Hay from his um, first independent release way back in 1991 and a beautiful track, Hold On to My Hand, um, which I think is very appropriate because um, our first guest for today, um, um, the head of switchboards there to hold on to your hand in one way. (laughs) And then in a consenting type of way, our second guest has now joined um, us in the studio. It's a queer, um, keep the wrestling analogy going, trios tag team today. Um, it's a pleasure to welcome Adele Marini to the 3CR studio, a.k.a. the fabulous Delcy Cat um, of many hats. But you're here to talk about, um, you're, you're going to be you're going to be a TV star in the coming days. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You're good at this. Um, but you did it with consent. And um, well, so in that sense, if you agreed, you were. Asking for it. Tell us about Asking For It on SBS, um, Delcy. Yeah, cool. Um, so Asking For It is a three-part doco series that's coming out on SBS created by Northern Pictures. And, yeah, it's going to be all about exploring what it means to have affirmative, enthusiastic consent. Uh, it is a pretty hard watch as it delves deep into rape culture within Australia. And we look at some pretty horrific stories from people like Grace Tame and Saxon Mullins. So mm. it's not an easy watch, but it's an important watch. Um More specifically, my role is to talk about consent in party spaces and how we can cultivate um, a culture of enthusiastic consent before we ever touch someone, have a heavy conversation or escalate any kind of like sexual interaction. I was going to ask you how how sort of you got involved or what capacity you've done great work in consent. And of course, um, you know, the head of Unicorns, which is now we'll say, We'll, call, we'll um, borrow from the rock band Eagles there. They're, they never broke up. They just took a 14-year vacation. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, it's evolving. Unicorns is evolving. <laughs> I don't know in what direction, but it, it is evolving into something else. But Unicorns definitely does exist. And look, as someone who went to one of the um, two of the parties, one online in those dreaded years of 2020 and 21, and then uh, finally got to one in person, it was one of the most friendly, inclusive, party-ish type of spaces I've ever been in. Mm. And the fact that you don't just have pronoun labels, for example, um, but also any labels you want um, on all sorts of things, which might be a good thing to uh, to talk about and the sort of things that happen in consent in queer culture because this show is a show, obviously, for um, our queer communities. Yeah, totally. And the documentary does also explore what you're referring to, which is the Unicorns label station, which is a little invention I created so that we could easily self-identify. Because I know when I walk into a queer space, sometimes I am curious about what other people's sexualities are if I'm looking to pick up. But also it's just an easy way to flag your gender and your pronouns. You don't have to have that conversation that you might not feel like having with everyone in the room. Yeah. so, yeah, it's an also I use the label station as a way to flag what you're consenting to into the space. So there's a label system. Um, green equals, you know, come chat to me. I'm happy to talk to anyone. Yellow is I'll talk to you if I feel like a chat. And red is I'm just kind of keeping to myself tonight. Um, because also I know sometimes when I walk into a space, I'm feeling a bit anxious, maybe a bit shy, and I don't really want people approaching me. But sometimes I want to make new friends and I want to easily communicate to everyone in the space. Hey, talk to me. Like I want to, you know, meet fellow queer pals. So it's another way to kind of 
flag consent um, in regards to, yeah, who you feel like chatting to. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, you might not know what labels you want to put on until you get there and you're in the present moment, um, you know, which is a really good thing as well. Just to catch up on a few messages before we continue our conversation, um, Kayleen, um, one of our recurring listeners, um, in terms of our previous conversation, said, yes, here, here, we need to be supporting um, intersex people. And I'm um, just trying to get the other messages through. Um, yeah, we, um, in terms of sport, we were talking about sport just before you came. We don't have out AFL players yet. Yeah, no gay or bisexual men, um, to be precise. Mm. Um, and Australian culture being very blokey, which I suppose um, in a way links across to um, consent issues. Um, we've got one other one, which I'll save more towards the end of the show. Thanks, Jenny, for those last two messages. But, um, yeah, we don't. We live in a, a society that unfortunately at times is riddled consciously and consciously, which you touched on mentioning the difficult experiences of people like Grace Tame and, um, although you didn't mention it, Brittany Higgins. We live in a society with toxic masculinity and patriarchy that can creep its way into our thought processes for people of any sex, gender, sex characteristics, and in lots of circumstances, not just in sex, you know, the the workplaces that say, I'm ordering you to do this or and no, don't do consent in a way, you know, non-consent and misuse of power creep in. Um, you know, that which is, you know, it's and when you get to a space that's great, I suppose my point is it's like a relief. Oh, I don't have to do as much work. I can have fun. But how, you know, sort of... Um, how can we take that further, I suppose, beyond, you know, wonderful spaces like unicorns or I've um, got to give a mention to Tomboy as well, which I think does it well. What, you know, what sort of lessons can we take from that beyond the party space? Yeah, totally. I think, like, it's cool to teach consent within party spaces and I always hope that, like, what we teach within party spaces like unicorns has a trickle-down effect and we take it into aspects of all of our lives. But I think consent should be used always in so many different ways but including just like when you're having a chat to someone like are you in a headspace to Mm. talk about you know something big that happened to me today and Mm. maybe it's a bit heavy and maybe you don't feel like hearing about it so you're going to check in first but I think consent should be done often um yeah and in regards to all things not just sex but I'm also hoping hoping that things like this documentary will con- will change the education that we're getting about consent in the school system. Um, you know, we a lot of us as queer people have looked back at sex ed in high school and gone, wow, it would have been helpful if it was more nuanced or any- I even felt included in that conversation. But I think we really need to be teaching consent at a really young age because um, consent is not just about sex. It's about, you know, ownership, you know, of our bodies. And it's about all forms of physical touch, whether that's just a hug or a high five. And I think that needs to be implemented and ingrained in young people's minds, you know, in primary Mm. school, that you have autonomy of your own body and you need to be able to give consent um, in a, like a really enthusiastic way. Yeah. Or, and, or assertively say no. And unfortunately, again, that, you know, don't want to harp on it, but that misuse of power that can happen, whether it's sex, gender, neurodivergence, many other things, um, you know, um, the kiriaki, as it's called, um, multiple layers of oppression, you know, is just ever so prevalent. And we sometimes we feel like we're having to fight our way up to the surface to get through it. So mm-hmm. it is, you know, really, really important. Um the thing that I'd perhaps like to talk about now, whether this comes up in your upcoming episode, um, which is um, in the next week or so, um, you know, issues similar and different for, I'll say, cis-het endosex vis-a-vis 
LGBTIQA+. What are some similarities and differences for for the various groups and also talking across LGBTIQA+. Um, what sort of things need to be considered in terms of consent? For sure. I sometimes think as queer people with our kind of lived experience of potentially having talked more about gender and sexuality or thought more deeply about it, perhaps we might be like pretty good at consent because we're used to having maybe those conversations Mm -hmm. for some of us anyway, Um, especially, you know, if someone might have areas of their body, they don't want to be touched as a queer person. We're kind of maybe more used to having those conversations of like, you know, how do you feel about being touched here or being touched there? Um, Perhaps sometimes it makes us, um, you know, we might've thought more deeply about consent potentially, but consent can be breached by anyone in any space. So regardless Mm, of whether you're queer or straight or non-binary or trans, like we all have the potential to not be a plus at consent or have not just had the education around it. Um, So I think, you know, it's something that impacts all humans. Potentially as queer people, we might have had more nuanced conversations about it because of our gender and sexuality, but not necessarily. So there can be issues with consent being breached in any space. Yep. And we could get on. I mean, the last thing I claim to be is a cisgender gay man, but I do sadly hear about issues of cisgender gay men and unfortunately misuse of substances in terms of not informing consent which of course can happen drink spiking could happen to anyone of any sex gender sexuality but um you know that's non-consensual of course as well and it's just you know no you know just got to keep spreading the message the other thing i was going to say i love what you said about checking in with people before you ask if you want to talk to them about something and that can be constant, and I mean, we also need to be more trauma informed. Something comes up for someone, you see someone withdraw, or there's a shocked look on their face. It's like, oh, is this a little micro trauma? Um, those sorts of things. What can we do in that area as well? Um, I think yeah, just checking in before talking to anyone about something that is a bit heavy. Like sometimes I think of it as trauma dumping, and I think you know we all you know have those days where we've had a big day, something hectic's happened at work, and we just want to offload, we just want to vent, we just want to share with someone. But I think we need to be aware of what headspace that other person is in. But it's as easy as saying like, um, hey, this something like this happened today. Maybe let people know about the topic, and then they can decide themselves whether they feel like they're in the headspace to receive that and hold space for it. Yeah. Oh, look, this this is, I mean, there's so, so much I could talk about. I wish we needed to our show, but um, Freedom of Species does come in at one o'clock and they've got the um, great guest today, um, Georgie Purcell, Member of State Parliament, is their guest coming into the studio very, very soon. Um, but um, we're talking at the moment to Adele Marini, um, who's part of a great new um, documentary series called Asking For It on um, SBS on um, 8.30 on Tuesdays, the first episode last week, and we've got more to come in the next couple of weeks. Um, it's it's certainly a great series. I mean, did SBS just um, track you down for this, you know, re- hit, the, hit the Google search? or <laughs> Because um, you're an Arig, I think you're an acknowledged expert in queer communities on oh, this. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Um, actually, one of the researchers I went to primary school with, <laughs> networks, um, and networks. She'd, followed, she'd followed my work online and she knew that I had been teaching consent workshops and that at my parties, I, I don't know if anyone's ever been to my parties, I have a few rules that I mm-hmm. chant on stage like a mantra. And rule one is that it must be enthusiastic consent. It's yes. a mm. fuck yes or it's a no. Um, and that's been pretty ingrained in that party space for 10 years. So, yeah, my friend Steph reached out and just did an interview with the producer and talked about the work and they needed something positive, you know. Mm. You know, it's a pretty heavy documentary, which 
is important, but it's nice to also show the positive stuff that's coming out of consent culture. Can well, I ask a quick question? Oh, go for it, Joe. Yeah. I'm still here, by the way. Listening, <laughs> I'm enthusiastically listening. Um, <laughs> I'm still here. Um, She's good. I'm curious because um, I guess like uh, pulling back the curtains, I guess, of the experience of the show, just because we get to ask you that, totally. is like what were your – like, did you have concerns going in? Because I know, you know, as someone at Switchboard, we run a family violence service and I get sometimes concerned about, like, working with mainstream organisations that have that gendered lens um, and, you know, like, see things as only, like, violence of, of men against women. Like, that would be a concern I would have going into a show like that. But did you have, like, concerns, like, about your safety, about your profile being big? I don't know, anything. I'm so concerned. I'm so nervous. Okay, okay, <laughs> sure. Okay. I went into it with the mindset of I want to show positive queer representation. Mm. Like, how often do we see on Australian TVs trans people, non-binary people, bisexual people having like a beautiful time um, where they're just enjoying life. Like I feel like we have so much negative representation that I was like, I have the ability to showcase a really diverse crowd. Like Unicorn, 60% is made up of trans and non-binary people, huge percentage of bisexual, lots of femme representation. It's so rare to see it on TV. And I thought I have the potential to showcase, particularly to young queer people, look at what life can look like. Look how beautiful this is. Look at community. Look at the connections. Look at these people having a really joyous time. I'm so nervous because my story is now about me and that Mm. is not what I initially thought it would be I thought it was just going to be about the space but um it's okay like I've obviously approved it but it's hard like I talk about my own personal trauma with rape and how that's informed the work that I do but it's pretty hard to watch yourself talk about being sexually assaulted and so when I watched it I was like oh this is tough but I'm hoping I keep saying to myself when it comes out I'm I'm nervous because I've been the victim of a lot of online hate in the past um I'm opening myself up for that, which is pretty scary, but I keep saying to myself, if one young queer person sees that there's a sparkly world out there like unicorns for them, it's it's okay, it's worth it. But, yeah, yeah I have a lot of concerns. Yeah, no, and I think that, you know, um, it's a bit of a call-out for people to rally behind you, isn't it, I think? Um, yeah. That being said, like, people listening today, like, you know, send if, if they are watching the show and they're not for watching the show of, like, you know, reaching out to you and telling you that, it's, you know, that they've gotten something out of it if they have, um, which, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really important, Delcy. I think it's really important, these stories, but they do come at a cost for sure. But I think you're right. Is that I, I hope that you'll come out of this feeling like um, – uh, like affirmed through the process and, and and do please hold on to that like that moment that you're saying is like if one person finds you know yeah. an affirming space and that's worth it and it won't be one person it'll be hundreds yeah, yeah. I hope so yeah but yeah it's definitely nerve-wracking um, yeah talking about your personal story I've never really connected those two things publicly like my history and unicorns um, and why one of the reasons why I'm so heavy on consent but yeah, May 4th. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yep. Uh, look, first of all, um, totally want to affirm your um, courage and authenticity in speaking out in this way. And second, well, we just, um, as you were coming into the studio and settling in, we played a track by one of my favourite artists, Colin Hay. And in a documentary on Colin Hay, which is one of my favourite things, it's called Waiting for My Real Life to Begin, his friend Colin Friels, the actor, says, about Colin, the more vulnerable you are, the less vulnerable you are. And I think that's a beautiful quote. So I think that you will, if I may, I think you'll find strength in speaking out and you'll also strengthen others. So I really, really appreciate 
um, that you have spoken out um, and will be um, on um, coming up in May as part of this wonderful series, Asking For It. We are unfortunately, Joe and Adele, just about out of time and we've got to get Freedom of Species with their guest, Georgie Purcell, in. And to Jenny, I'm sorry, we haven't got time um, um, to, to honour the complex subject of the passing of a of Barry Humphreys um, and whether we cancel or do we acknowledge that artists are complex people, separating the art of the individual, uh, the art from the individual. And, um, you know, I think that I'll just say very quickly, I think that's possible, but it needs more discussion than we can give it today, Jenny. So hopefully I might get someone in in the next few weeks on the artistic front to how we talk about it. But right now, I have to wrap it up. Um, Joe and Adele, it's wonderful to have you in. I mean, we could, <laughs> we can't take over all of 3CR to give you all the time you both <laughs> need, but I'm glad we had you in for at least half an hour on this show, both wonderful contributors to our Rainbow Communities. Um, so thank you both so much. And um, we'll take it out today before we head into Freedom of Species with the Divinals. I know um, Chrissy Amphlett um, was not, to the best of my knowledge, a lesbian, but you call her a lesbian icon. Come on. <laughs> um, so let's, um, appropriately enough, um, I think, take it out with um, the Divinal song, Casual Encounter. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week. <laughs>